This is Crosscut Reports. I'm Maliha Sayed. Today, we're looking at the forces driving nurses out of their field and where they're going next for work. The shortage of workers in healthcare is reaching crisis levels. Experts say it's only going to get worse, reaching a shortfall of 13 million nurses by the year 2030. Freelance reporter Megan Burbank spoke with Laurel McCallan, Monica Hines, and Nicole Leibov, three former nurses in Washington who left their field for new careers altogether. Some say COVID was a factor, but many of the problems they described existed long before the pandemic. Their decisions to leave nursing reflect a larger trend happening across the country. In her story, Megan answers a central question. How are nurses being affected by the pressures of their jobs and what happens when they can no longer sustain? I was interested in this story because a lot of your work has revolved around reproductive rights and health. And I was kind of curious, like, how you came about reporting this story out. Yeah. So this story was actually brought to me by the photographer on the piece, Meryl Shanker, who had connected with a handful of former RNs who were now doing really different things. And she was really interested in figuring out sort of like what people were doing when they left their healthcare jobs. Um, we hear a lot about the national healthcare staffing shortage. And I think we've kind of seen the same story over and over again about it, which is just it's a problem, here's who it impacts. But we don't often hear about what happens to people who are part of that staffing shortage, right, or whose choices have contributed to it. And so I was really drawn to kind of finding out what the actual stories and experiences of these individuals were. It was interesting to see, I think, with a lot of the people we spoke to, they left their jobs because they were experiencing burnout and profound impacts on their mental and physical health. One of the things that really struck me while I was working on this story was that no one I spoke to who left their job said, oh, I hated being a nurse or it was just a mistake that I went into this profession. Everybody who we spoke to really had wanted to be there. For a lot of them, it was a dream job to do this work. And for Laurel in particular, she had watched her her mother um, deal with a cancer diagnosis, and she was really struck by the care that she received from her nursing staff. And that was what drew her to nursing. And that actually is like a pretty typical story for why people go into these types of professions. They do it because it's what they want to be doing and they want to help people. With Laurel in particular, you kind of have a compelling line at the top of the story where you say she loved this profession, but it just didn't love her back. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about some of the problems that she and the other people you spoke to had experienced in their field. Yeah, so Laurel in particular was really interesting because she had worked in a number of different hospitals across three different states. And what she said was that there were staffing issues at every single place where she had worked. Um, and that was something that was really echoed in what everyone else I spoke to had to say. There is there is a clear sense of frustration um, at being under-resourced, at feeling like your unit is not fully staffed. One of the things that was really sort of distressing to hear was that in some cases, the nurses I spoke to felt like they couldn't actually serve their patients as well because they had so much, because the staffing ratios they were working with were so limited. Um, and so that's that's certainly one issue. Another issue that was raised a lot was, was a concern about pay and just a sense that even if you're working like a part-time shift, 
it's not really a part-time shift because there's a lot of work that goes on top of your actual hours on the floor. Earlier this year, thousands of nurses in New York went on strike to protest their caseloads. In the UK, nurses and ambulance staff staged the largest protest in the National Health Service's history last month. And so these are all sort of issues that I think have been accumulating over time. I think that there is this narrative that the staffing shortage is because of COVID. And I think COVID was certainly like a contributing factor, but it does seem like these are much more entrenched issues that have been going on for a long time. We hear a lot about people being overwhelmed by the challenges of working with patients during COVID. And what's interesting to me is that for Nicole, it was not that dramatic. It was like she had actually been putting together a plan to make staying in her job more sustainable. She had decided she wanted to pivot to clinic nursing part-time, and she also had gotten a certification in massage therapy. So she had this plan to stay in nursing but move away from bedside um, and then also work in massage therapy. And then when COVID hit, that was actually what kept her from making that change. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that because it seemed like she really wanted to hold on to that career, even if she was going to be balancing it with other interests. Yeah, and that's, I would say that's true of everyone I talked to. They all were really trying to find a way to make staying in nursing work for them. And I think it's interesting, you know, I think as a reporter, even when we look at like a large corporation or something, if people are leaving a lot, it's often a red flag, a sign of something greater and more systemic going on. And I think especially when people who like their jobs, who are good at their jobs, care about their jobs and really, really want to stay when they start to leave, that to me says a lot about much more um, systemic management-based problems that are, that are in play. One of the descriptions that really stuck with me was how Monica described her work. She said that it just, like, it felt so discouraging because it felt like it was, like, a disaster. Like, being in a disaster all the time. Um, I think she said, like, everyone's sick, everyone's a mess, everyone's dying, everyone needs help. It's that kind of a thing. And I think, you know, you just think about what it would be like to be in that scenario for, like, a day. And this is what they're doing over and over and over again, and just the cumulative stress that comes from that. You know, I think a lot of people feel a lot of ways about the work that they do, right? Like, it's not uncommon to <laughs> to feel like you're uh, persecuted or oppressed by your boss or whatever. But I think what we're talking about is just like a different order of magnitude where you're dealing with life and death all the time. You're there to provide care and you're there because you want to help and do a good job. And then on top of that, you feel like you don't have the resources to be doing your work as best as possible. Maybe you can't get to every patient. Maybe you don't get a break. And so I think that takes a situation that is already really intense and stressful and just makes it something that for a lot of folks becomes unsustainable. Most of the the nurses I spoke to, when they talked about the major problems, they really focused on staffing and pay. Those were the two areas of focus and concern. I mean, there are other, there are certainly other issues too. I mean, one thing that came up in my interview with Jane Hopkins, who is the president of 1199 Northwest, is this ongoing concern around hospital consolidation specifically 
which as she put it, are putting profits over people. And so there's this idea that you need to do more with less. And those consolidations, have they been ramping up in recent years? Are we seeing more of them in Washington? Yeah, they've been going on, I would say, for about the past decade. Those consolidations often come with restructuring and cuts, you know, even if it is something like we're not going to do elective abortions anymore at Swedish or whatever. There are cuts to service, too. And so I think that sort of goes hand in hand with people who are working for those institutions being asked to do more with less. It becomes sort of like a cost-saving measure. Now that these issues have really solidified for Laurel, Monica, Nicole, and they've made the transition into these new fields. Did they talk about what their lives are like now, just the things that they're enjoying, how things have improved since they kind of cut the cord with nursing? Yeah, they're happy. <laughs> things are going well. Um, the vibes are good. So I would say, you know, they're all doing different things. Um, so Nicole actually worked on a farm for a while. She worked for an agricultural nonprofit and was growing food and taking care of animals and brushing goats and just doing these things that were so far from what she had done before. And yet she actually felt like there was a lot of commonalities because she was still dealing with sort of the cycle of life and like taking care of animals and um, feeding them and taking and, and helping them and it was just, it was kind of like, she said it was kind of like working at the bedside, but it was with animals instead of people. Um, and she really loved it. She was very into it. And she's not doing that anymore, but she is actually planning to go back to massage therapy, which she described as sort of like an undervalued, underpaid career, but it's something that she loves to do. You know, Monica has started her life coaching business, which of course is a huge is a huge leap. She's figuring out how to run her own business and how to work with clients. But one of the things that she said was that her nursing background actually is really has really come in handy because she's helping people to sort of manage and, and modulate their own stress levels. Um, and she's actually hoping to bring that to other healthcare workers who are are in the thick of the stress that like she herself experienced. And of course, Laurel is a front-end web developer and you know, her story is interesting, too, because she she was at a point where she really wanted to step away from nursing. She said it just feels vastly different from being at the bedside um, because she can just, like, start her day with a cup of coffee. She works remotely. It's much more relaxed. So I would say, like, everybody who left, they landed in a much better place. Um, and it was really the right choice for them. But I also think that there is a lot of complexity to it because, you know, nursing was a part of their identity. It was a part of who they were and it was what they wanted to do. It's one thing to leave a job you hate, right? It's one, it's one thing to leave a job that isn't fulfilling you on some level. I think what was hard, What's especially hard in this position is that they they loved the work that they did and they were good at it. And so it was particularly hard to step away from it. And I also think, you know, the challenges that they were describing, these are things that are going to take a long time to get better. And I think for the folks that are caught up in the system now, like this is their life, right? They can't wait around because 
this is their life as it is now. And so I think, you know, it's it's interesting to see where they ended up and to see that being able to let go of this career and this idea of who they might be actually opened up these much broader possibilities. There's so much good coming out of this transition for so many of them. They talk about having improved mental health, improved physical health. But then the point that you touch on is um, that they also might be losing a sense of self or a sense of identity. And yeah, I wonder if anyone talked a little more deeply about that, just like what they've lost in that transition. Because I I would think if you're working for 12 hours on end with someone or with a group of people, you just form community, you form sort of a routine. And yeah, did anyone talk a little more about just the identity that gets wrapped up in a job like being a nurse? Yeah, I would say several of them did. And I think, you know, there are plenty of jobs in the world where you don't, it's not like your whole personality, right? And I don't say that pejoratively. I think what's what's been so sort of inspiring about talking to them is, is seeing someone sort of grapple with that and move beyond it and realize that there is this this much more this much this much more rich and complicated and expansive version of who they could be. Yeah, they they all seem just generally happier from how you describe them. They just seem to be in better headspaces. And did they ever indicate that they might consider going back to nursing? I'm, I'm just thinking about Nicole saying that she didn't let her her nursing license lapse. Yeah, and I was curious about that. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. None of them <laughs> want to go back. Um, Never again. It is interesting though because like. They say that, but then, of course, Nicole says she's never let her license lapse. So, but I think, it, especially with healthcare, it's one of those fields where leaving, I think part of the reason it becomes such a big decision is it is hard to come back. And so, you know, whether you're a doctor or a nurse, if you if you take a huge amount of time off, you know, you lose your, your training and your clinical experience and it becomes harder and harder to go back. Um, so... Yeah, but I would say, no, it does. They, they're they're in a better place now. You had mentioned Governor Inslee has a bill, um, or kind of an effort to address the staffing shortages with nurses. Could you talk a little bit about what that would do and um, how nurses are feeling about it? This is a step toward addressing the nursing shortage in our state by giving nurses a stronger voice on hospital staffing committees with the intent to create a safer work environment, less burnout, and higher retention rates. That was the safe staffing bill um, that was signed into law in April, and 1199 advocated for it very strongly. So that is a bill that sets standards for staffing and penalties for institutions that violate them. And it's one of those real, like, TBD things, right? Like, we don't know how the implementation process is going to go. I spoke with Jane Hopkins, who um, is at SEIU, and she said it's one of those things where they're going to be watching. But she also raised some concerns that large hospital systems, if they're able to identify any loopholes in it, may take advantage of them. So it's one of those things where we're going to have to wait and see. Part of the concern that Jane expressed to me was just that These reforms, if they aren't implemented, 
mean that more and more people will be leaving the profession. And it also means that there won't really be anyone to replace them. Are there any efforts to recruit? I think you had touched on that, but like bringing people in, increasing interest, is that kind of folded in with the efforts to retain nurses? The nurses that I spoke to for this story, uh, you know, I think retention efforts would have made a big difference, right? But of course, then when we look at the bigger picture, it's like, well, if people are leaving, who is there to replace them? Yeah, so there is there is an effort to sort of build a more robust pipeline into nursing. But this is the kind of like long-term upstream solution that like we're not going to know if it works for a long time. And so I think one of the things with this story that I was interested in was just like for people who can't wait that long because they're already this is already their life. Like, what are their options? What are they doing? What are the broad implications of not having enough nurses in the field for patients and also for the medical system? Yeah, big question. And it's complicated. I would say a couple of things. One is just more burnout, more nurses being overworked to the point of leaving. More stories like the one that I wrote um, where we're, we're hearing about people who are making these really difficult decisions to leave because the work they're doing has become untenable. And I think it also has implications for patient care too, right? I mean, if you're on a floor with inadequate staffing ratios, you're not going to get the kind of attention and care that you need as a patient. And so I think the the implications are pretty grave. Um, I think both for people who work in these healthcare settings and for people who, you know, like you and me, rely on them for our healthcare. That'll be part of sort of the the approach to addressing the staffing shortage in the years to come. But I think if if I took anything away from this story, it's that. People are leaving the industry who are A, good at their jobs, B, wanted to be there, C, would have done anything to make it work, and D, just felt kind of pushed out. And so I think, you know, we can talk a lot about the national staffing shortage and the and the different factors that contribute to it. But I think, you know, after doing this reporting, it's pretty clear to me that retention is going to have to be part of any sort of plan moving forward. Thanks for listening to Crosscut Reports. This episode was reported by Megan Burbank. It was produced by Scott Michael and me, Maliha Sayed. The story editor and executive producer was Sarah Menzies. You can subscribe to Crosscut Reports wherever you listen. And whatever platform you're listening on, please review us. We'd love to know what you think of the show. Also, if you would like to support the work we do at Crosscut, whether it's our lineup of podcasts, the video docu-series we stream every week, or the in-depth reporting we deliver every day, go to crosscut.com slash membership. In addition to supporting our journalism, members receive complete access to the on-demand programming of Seattle's PBS station, KCTS 9. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit crosscut.com. That's also where you'll find a text version of the story we discussed today. Crosscut Reports is a product of Cascade Public Media. I'm Maliha Sayed. We'll be back soon with another episode. <laughs>